Yeah, everybody done with their shopping and you're just ready to relax for the next couple of weeks? Kick back, have some hot chocolate every night. Anybody? Anybody 90% done? Really? Well, I'll hold her down and you all can kick her, okay? So she's 90% done. So um, I, I think that's great. If you're 90% done, you can come on over to my house in a week and help me. <laughs> that would be terrific. I am going to move this, or otherwise I'm going to leave with a black eye, which won't be nice. Um, so I didn't want to take up a lot of time um, talking about above and beyond. Um, time is precious this evening. Thank you, Joy, for making that um, introduction to it. I don't you just love Joy's spirit? Y'all are so blessed to have her leading women's ministry. I just think the purity of her heart is contagious and um, think very highly of her. I, we did put a handout on the table so you can really read about above and beyond. Um, the biggest thing I want you to know is that over the last five years, we have helped uh, 869 people go to 73 nations, and they have served 13,000 hours in their local communities in order to earn their above and beyond reward points, which are kind of like scholarships. So we just assist people who are struggling financially, who God has really called to serve on a short-term mission team. Uh, we give them rocket fuel. We help them with a portion of their mission team um, fee, but they earn it by serving in their local community. So we call it Serve Local, Go Global. And the reason that um, we have these bracelets and the reason that they say go beyond on them is because we want uh, women particularly to go beyond themselves, to go beyond their comfort zone, to go beyond their neighborhood, to go beyond their border, to go beyond their fears, to go beyond their natural abilities and embrace the supernatural um, ways of God and to share Christ throughout this world. So whatever go beyond means to you, if you need a daily reminder to go beyond how you ate yesterday and eat better today, you can wear this bracelet and it'll remind you to go beyond. The beads are from eight different nations and the little plaque was made by missionaries in Mexico. So it really is global. But the bracelets were all made by women who have come out of domestic abuse and are ministered to through a ministry called Fashion and Compassion because everything we do matches local with global. So that's the little summary of that. So for every 14 bracelets that we sell, we can send a short-term missionary. We'll get a scholarship. So if you want to buy 14 bracelets tonight, you are my new best friend, and I will personally kiss you um, for doing that. Um, so since it's Christmas and since we're all a group of women, I think it would be very appropriate for me to tell at least one joke about women at Christmas. And I found this one late this afternoon. I was desperate to find one um, that I could share here. Um, um, so I thought this one really fit. I'm going to knock that over. Um, I thought this one fit. How do we know for sure that Santa Claus is a man? Because there ain't no woman wearing the same outfit multiple years in a row. I like it. I like it. Well, if you have your Bibles with you tonight, if you have your phone with you, whatever instruments you use, we are going to have scriptures on the screen, um, but we're going to be in John chapter 4. So I encourage you to go ahead and get that. And if you would just join me in a word of, very short word of prayer, I'd like to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to come and teach us tonight. So, Father, I come before you 
Once again today, Lord, um, thanking you for uh, helping us to set aside this time to focus on you. Lord, your word says that your word is a lamp unto our feet. So, Lord, I pray that you would guide this conversation that we're about to have. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to unlock the treasures that are in this story of the Samaritan woman. Lord, I pray that we would hear with fresh ears tonight. I pray that we would perceive with fresh hearts. I pray that our understanding would be illuminated by the light of your grace and your love. Lord, I pray that for some in this room tonight, Lord, it would be a cornerstone moment in their lives as they encounter truth. And um, I thank you for that in advance. God, just come and be bigger than me in this room tonight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those of you who know me, you may find this a little comical, um, but if I were to ask you at a dinner table or something, hey, who do you think my favorite music artist is? I bet you nobody who knows me would guess that it's Winona Judd. Um, that probably, yeah, some of you are going, what? <laughs> so I, I love wine. I don't know why, but I just really love her voice. And um, she performs, uh, she recorded several years ago a Christmas song that has become one of my very favorite Christmas songs. And it's kind of rustic and uh, a little rough and very sultry and only the way that she can sing. But the name of the song is Let's Make the Baby King. And I highly encourage you, if you've never heard it, to uh, listen to it. But the reason that I love that song so much is that it reminds me that while we're all putting out our manger scenes and we're talking to our kids about baby Jesus coming to the earth and, um, and you know, we set up the crush and we do all of that, um, it just reminds me, yes, he did come as a baby, but he came on purpose. He came to be a king. He came to be the king of our hearts. He came to um, show us what the kingdom of God would be like and what it is like. He came to release us from captors. He came to become a man um, and to make a difference in this world, um, to teach us God's principles and to show us he was the visible expression of an invisible God, the word says. And I don't think there's anywhere in scripture that points more to the purpose of Jesus coming as that baby um, than the story of Jesus encountering the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. It is the first time in scripture that he actually reveals himself as the Messiah where he actually says to someone that this is the purpose for which he came. And I find it fascinating that he revealed his divine purpose for coming to a woman. Just an everyday woman who was out there doing her to-do list. She was at a well, just taking care of business. She, he didn't reveal it to the disciples. He didn't reveal it first to the religious leaders. He didn't even reveal it first to a man. He revealed it to a woman. I love it. Um, so I'm sure that you've heard messages about the Samaritan woman before, but I think, you know, all scripture is so rich. I don't care how many times you hear a story, there's always a golden nugget out of it. So even if you've heard this story before, I want you just to ask the Lord to give you fresh ears 
to hear tonight. So let's start with their conversation um, right at the beginning of chapter four. And I was hoping I was going to be able to read those. Oh, good. I can read it from here. Great. Because I don't have my glasses, so I can't even read this part. Um, so um, let's, we're going to start and we're going to read this together and we're going to declare the word of God aloud. So let's read together. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Isn't it just like a man to take off? Okay, wait, wait. All right. Stay on focus, Michelle. Okay. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. The Samaritans were um, an interesting group of individuals. Ingrid, there's a water bottle where I was sitting, and I would, I'm going to need that water, please. Thank you. Um, they're a very interesting group of people because at one time, they had been fully Jewish. But they lived in an area. Thank you so much. They lived in an area that had been conquered numerous times. And as those conquering forces came into their land, um, they began to adopt some of the religious traditions of their captors. So the Jews, the religious Jews, looked upon the Samaritans with disdain. Um, they considered them impure in their religion. They considered them mixed up kind of a spiritual mutt, so to speak, and that they decided that, you know what, if they were able to even worship God, they weren't able to do it in the right place, they weren't able to do it in the right way, and they just weren't worthy of a whole, uh, to know a holy God. So they, not only did they have nothing to do with them and avoid them, they literally did not speak to them. <laughs> I mean, like, total avoidance. And so here you can hear that perplexity in the Samaritan's woman's voice when she says, 
who are you to be speaking to me? I mean, she had grown up her whole life seeing the religious people avoid her because she wasn't good enough um, and because she was spiritually a mixture. What I want to point out about that to us tonight is that in our culture today, we um, can run into individuals all the time as Christians. We run into people who are a mixture. Um, they're blending all kinds of things, maybe a little religious tradition, maybe a little Eastern mysticism, maybe a little Buddhism, or maybe just a little new age or a little of this or a little of that. And the reason that they're doing that, the reason that they're blending so much together is because they're thirsty for the truth. They want to know the truth, but they haven't met the man who's called the truth yet. They know about him, but they haven't encountered him. And what we need to do as, as women who follow Christ is we need to guard ourselves. We need to make sure that we're not getting so comfortable in our little Christian social clubs that we do not engage with individuals who are a little mixed up spiritually. They're, hunger, they're hungry for spirituality, but they just haven't found the truth yet. And as carriers of that truth, we need to ensure that we will meet them where they are and converse with them and have conversation with them and share with them what we have come to recognize as who the truth is and this one called um, Jesus. We don't want to be protective of our Christianity. On the other hand, I see in the church today... I see a lot of blended Christians, Christ, women who have met Jesus at one time or another in their life, um, and they have had an encounter with the truth, but they've never really gotten into the word and made their life Christ-centric and biblically-centric. They don't anchor their life on the scriptures and on the word of God. So what does that look like? What does that lead them to? Well, a few weeks ago, I was with a, uh, was with a friend of mine, or yeah, a friend, an acquaintance, and um, I put my purse down on the floor. And this is a woman who's, who's fairly active in her church, not this church, but a church. And um, I put my purse down on the floor and she said, pick up your purse, don't put your purse on the floor. That's bad luck. And I turned and I looked at her and I said, what? And she said, that's bad luck. I'm a very superstitious person. And I said, no, 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 no. We don't, no, no. I don't play in the superstition sandbox. I don't do that. I said, and why are you doing that? You don't mix that up with your Christian faith. You're a daughter of the king. You don't live by superstition. You live by kingdom principles. You, the Bible says that you are crowned with favor and honor. I don't do bad luck. I don't do good luck. I do blessing. That's what, I, that's what I do, right? That's what I do. She, had, she was mixing superstition in with her Christianity. And she said to me, she said, you know what? I've got to think about that. I've really got to ponder that. Because it ha she hadn't been challenged in that area. Or I see Christian women who have gotten really into, I got the right crystal on for energy. I got the right crystal on for this. You know, I got the right crystal on that. I'm telling you, the only crystal I want to wear is a diamond or a CZ. And I don't wear them for energy. <laughs> I wear them for bling, baby, just strictly for bling. 
You know what? I don't need a crystal for my faith because scripture, I'm a scripture-based girl. And the scriptures tell me that if I know the Lord, he is my rock. He is my strength. He is, he is uh, an ever-present help in times of trouble. I don't, need no script, I don't need no crystal. And then there's these things that have come out recently called destiny cards. We don't need to be mixing ourselves with destiny cards. They're kind of, some Christians have kind of taken them and they've tried to redeem tarot cards. And now they got the destiny card thing out there and you know what I don't need no destiny card I know exactly what the word says the word says that the footsteps of their righteous are ordered by God that my ways are established by God he'll review my future he will reveal my future to me when he's good and ready I don't need a deck of cards to tell me about them right but we need to stay ladies we need to stay scripture centered Scripture-centered, Jesus-centered, Scripture-centered. This book ought to be determining your footsteps, not those cultural things that are, that are out there. Don't become veg, a vegetable soup Christian. Um, okay, moving on. This Samaritan woman, as we read, was thirsty. She was thirsty. She was coming to a well, right? She needed, she was thirsty and she needed something to drink. And after Jesus says that his water will last for an eternity with her, what does she say? I want some of that, right? And I, I think we all would say that if, if we knew that there was something that would last for all eternity, we would want some of that. One of the things that I am absolutely confident of is that the baby who was born in a manger came to quench the thirst of women, came to quench the thirst of men. I just started listing some things that I realize people are thirsty for today. They're thirsty for acceptance. They're thirsty for mercy. They're thirsty for authenticity. They're thirsty for community. They're thirsty for significance and purpose. They're thirsty for contentment. They're thirsty for hope. They're thirsty for healing. They're thirsty for a spirituality that actually satisfies. Our community is full of dehydrated people. The cares of this world have dehydrated them and they're thirsty and they're longing for something that will quench their thirst. And we are able as Christian women, if you know the Lord, you have the ability to lead them to the well where they can never thirst again to meet the one that you encountered that gave you life-giving power. Wouldn't it be selfish of us to not share the water from the well that we have drunk from? That it would be so selfish of us. Um, after she asks the Lord for his water, the Lord says this to her. Let's continue to read the story. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. Oops. Um, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Whoops, there's a hole in this carpet um, and my heel keeps going down. <laughs> I'm going to slide over just a tad. Um, sorry about that, but somebody might want to Pay attention to that uh, for the next woman's up here. Um, so that passage of scripture tells me that um, Jesus loves it when we're real with him. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but he's not looking at your Facebook page to find out what's going on in your life. 
He knows you. He created you and he sees you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. And he is not offended by your problems. <laughs> um, if you hear nothing else tonight, if you don't remember anything else tonight, one of the things I want you to hear is this. The kingdom, is, the kingdom of God is not a culture that is obsessed with image. The kingdom of God is a culture of truth. And that truth is embodied in a person. And that person's name is Jesus. The Lord wants us to approach him in the truth of who we are, not some version of who we want to be. Jesus doesn't minister to the fake version of you. He ministers to the real you, the vulnerable you, the transparent you, the authentic you. He doesn't, um, he, he knows and he, he cares, but he doesn't care. He cares, but he doesn't condemn. He cares, but he doesn't condemn. He's very, he's very knowledgeable if you're numbing your disappointments and your discouragement with substances or shopping. He knows if you're harboring resentments and having a hard time of letting them go. He knows the questions that you're wrestling with and they don't offend him. She was with five men and now was living with another man. She had given up on marriage, obviously. She was promiscuous. He didn't condemn her. He just challenged her to change. He showed her that he cared about her. He spoke truth to her. Walking with the Lord means that we deal with the reality of where we are at the moment with him. I like, there's a, there's a line in the movie Creed where his girlfriend says to him, be 100% with me. Be Whoa, that was really weird. Um, okay. Going up, going down. Um, he wants us to be 100% with him. No games. Like, he knows it's going on anyway, so you can just be, he's the one person that we can be all out, flat out, raw naked with, and he absolutely loves it. He loves it when we're just real with him. John 3:17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, the, but that the world would be saved through him. He wants to bring us liberty and freedom. So don't let the fear of being real call the shots in your life. With Jesus, you can just call a thing a thing. And just as the Samaritan woman did. And the Holy Spirit will meet you right where you are. Let me tell you this. When you have an ugly cry with Jesus, you don't look ugly. You don't look ugly because you're being real and you're being vulnerable with him and he loves it. So let's continue the story. Okay, ready? I'm going to let you guys read while I drink some water. Um, and then do you have 28 to 30 there, Lori? Okay, keep going.
awesome. So, oh, keep going. I'm sorry. I need one more verse in there. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. So the, the, when Jesus ministered to this woman at the well, he didn't do it just for her. He ministered to her in the truth, and she had an encounter with truth, but it, the story doesn't end there. It says that she got up from the well, and she went into her community, and she shared with them what she had experienced, and then others came to the well. There comes a point in time in our lives that we are supposed to transition from experiencing Christ at our well of encounter, and we are to leave our well and go share our experience with others. There comes a time when we should transition from the joy of our spiritual awakening to becoming a conduit for the Lord and bring spiritual awakening to others. There comes a time when we need to transition from looking for the next touch from the Lord or chasing down the next experience with God and leave our well of experiences and go into the world and do the work of the Lord and find our satisfaction and our greater joy in serving him and making him known. So I have a question to ask you tonight. Have you been sitting at your well too long? Have you just been sitting there waiting for another drink and another drink and another drink? Or have you been getting up from your well and going out and sharing what you experienced at the well? The Jews might have looked down at this Samaritan woman because she was immoral and religiously mixed up. But I find her very interesting and uncomfortably familiar because I see much of myself in her. Um, I'm going to share with you, talk about vulnerability. Um, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my story tonight um, because I wasn't always standing like this. <laughs> I, I wasn't always positioned to be able to stand like this. When I, um, from the time I was two until the age of 10, I was raised by my grandparents who were four square, they were Pentecostal pastors. And at the age of eight, I received the Lord at church camp, had an incredible experience with the Lord. I had an encounter at a well in the context of an eight-year-old. But in the days when I was growing up, the Pentecostal church was a very harsh church. It was about rules. Um, there were like 475 things I couldn't do. And then every now and then there was one thing I could do. Like I couldn't play with paper dolls. Anybody remember paper dolls? I'm dating myself because they had underwear on and I wasn't allowed to look at the underwear. You know what I mean? It was that. It was just so, it was so holiness focused that life was very brutal in a way. And I saw God as kind of mean. Um, and he was a little frightening to me, quite frankly. Well, due to some life circumstances, my mother came to get me at the age of 10, took me into another family, um, and that particular family dynamic was go to church, Easter, Christmas, maybe Mother's Day. And uh, so obviously I drifted from my heritage and from my roots. I drifted from that um, relationship with the Lord. As skewed as it was, it was still a relationship. So I drifted, but um, 
as I got older, I, I had a reverence for the Lord. There were certain things that I wouldn't do. There were lines I wouldn't cross in college because um, I was afraid the rapture might come and I would miss it. Um, <laughs> sometimes fear is a good motivation. Um, uh, but, uh, but I didn't have an abiding relationship with the Lord. It was, it was religious. And um, when I was about 28, went there, yes, there were cars that operated then. Uh, when I was about 28, I, um, I, got, I, I recognized how thirsty I was. I mean, really thirsty. I was doing really well. I had just finished serving in the White House press office. Um, I'd gotten a really great job from that. Um, bank account was solid. In fact, I was, I was doing better in the natural than I ever thought that I could be doing. Um, but my insides were totally dehydrated, um, very, very thirsty. And so I started to um, approach some things to say, okay, I want to be a good person and I want to be pleasing in God's sight, but he's kind of a cosmic cop and has all these rules. So I don't want to, there's certain churches I don't want to go to because I don't want to get into all that rule thing. Um, but I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of create my own blend. Um, kind of like, you know, Starbucks Christmas blend. We'll just blend a whole bunch of beans together and hope that the product comes out and I make it into heaven. Um, so I started, I, I did a little high Episcopal because that, that was really good because you bowed a lot and kneeled a lot. And so I thought, okay, God will like that. And I learned about the different icons and, you know, I, I, I knew what the different colors meant. I thought that was really cool. I know why they were wearing purple and why they were, you know. So that was neat. Uh, went to a convent couple of times. Didn't think that was so neat. Um, um, practiced, got into, tried a little Eastern meditation. Um, that uh, added that into the bucket. Uh, did this new age thing called the seminar or something like that. Um, I've repented so much for that that I don't even remember the name of it. Um, but you know, I just I did a lot of Norman Vincent Peale books because I wanted to be a positive thinker. Um, uh, so, you know, I was just, and then just tried to do good, you know, like go volunteer at the soup kitchen and you know, whatever, do good. But I'm telling you, nothing satisfied. I remained thirsty because my blend wasn't living water. <laughs> my blend was fake fluid. Um, and so a cousin of mine uh, got a job with the Secret Service and had to come to, I was living in D.C., had to come to D.C. to get trained, and I invited him to come stay and, with us. And um, he, uh, um, he was a good Southern Baptist. And so I decided that he needed to find a church, um, and I was going to help him on that quest of finding a church because he was a good Baptist and he needed to stay in good with God. Um, so we started staying up at night. He had left his well of Georgia and he had come to my house and we would stay up at night and I would say, Tony, man, I just can't do what you're doing. I mean, I know God's so disappointed in me. I did this, you know, I went to, I did that. I can't follow all those rules. I just, and he started talking to me about grace Michelle, it's not about what you do. It's about who you know. It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. And he just hammered that. It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. 
And so um, we, would, we would talk into all hours of the night. So I was like, I've got to get you into church because you need to be talking to somebody more than me. This is ridiculous. So I decided to go with him to church, to this church uh, down the street. I was living in Falls Church, Virginia. And the first son- now my problem with God was grace. I saw him as judgmental and condemning and a taskmaster that was tough and hard to please. And I hadn't come into a full understanding of grace, the grace that he gives, that he just would accept me for who I was. And I didn't have to perform for him like all my bosses. He wasn't going to grade me. I wasn't going to get an annual evaluation um, from him. So I uh, went to the first service, and the message was on grace. The next week, Tony said, you want to go with me again? I'm like, I don't know. Um, okay, I'll go with you. Yeah, you know, I, I owe this to you to help you find a church. Um, I'm so altruistic. Um, and so go in, and all the songs that Sunday in the hymnal were on grace. Third Sunday, we go back, and the very first thing, the choir does this big opening number. Um, Sounds like Broadway or something, but um, they do this big thing on this kind of unique style of amazing grace. I literally, I can remember what I was wearing that day. It was a fantastic double, I was only a size four then, fantastic (laughs) double-breasted black suit, gorgeous brass buttons. I mean, I was dressed to the nines and inside was filthy rags. And I knew it. I knew I was miserable. I got up and I ran out of that sanctuary. I felt the press of the Holy Spirit on me so strongly. I could hardly stand it. I ran out. It was a big Baptist church. And um, I got lost. And I ended up going out the doors to the loading dock. And I was so frustrated. And I just sat down on a dumpster. The dumpster was my well. And I sat down on that dumpster, and as great as I looked on the outside, I said, Lord, I am miserable. I am so thirsty. I can't stand it. I am dying inside, and I need you. And if you will come and meet me and give me water to drink, I will follow you the rest of my days. I'm never leaving again. And in that moment, I don't know how to explain it to you, but in that moment, it was like a rain cloud opened up just over me. It was a beautiful fall day, but it was just like a shower came down and I could feel the sludge of my life just washing away from me. I could feel all that political environment that I'd been in and the, the, you know, the big Rolodex, the whole thing is about how big a Rolodex was a, was a contact list in a <laughs> box. <laughs> you know, it was all about whose card do you have and who do you know? It's like all of that, all of that striving and wanting to be significant was satisfied in a moment in a moment. And I knew that God had turned me around (laughs) and set my feet. He had pulled me up out of the miry pit, had set my feet on solid ground and was going to put a new song in my heart. 
But you know, ladies, I couldn't stay at that dumpster. (laughs) What would my life have been if I'd stayed at the dumpster, my well? What, What would my life have amounted to if I'd stayed there? Nothing. It would have been my story for me. It was a great encounter. It was a marvelous day. It was a long time ago, and I can close my eyes and remember it as though it was yesterday. But that's not the point. The point isn't for us to have a great experience or a marvelous encounter with the Lord. That's good, and that's where it starts, but that's only our starting line. That's only the beginning of life um, in this thing called the kingdom and the family of God. That's just the starting line. We are supposed to get up from our wells. We go there to get a drink of water, to get hydrated, but then we rise up from our wells and we go and we tell. We go and we tell. We go and we tell. And whether people will listen, that doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is that we need to pour out what has been poured into us. The whole reason that... At a later stage in life, I left pastoral ministry to go run above and beyond. I've never run a nonprofit. I've never been a donor developer. I I am not trained in that, and I don't have a clue most days what I'm doing. But what I do know is that the the Lord whispered to my heart, you can either continue to go on mission trips and take four or five teams a year, so that's 40, 50 people, or you can help thousands go and tell. And I figure that's a great way for me to leverage my life in this last season that I have, is to send others to go and tell, because I so believe that that is what our real purpose is in being in the kingdom of God, because there are thirsty people out there, and we have the secret to living water. Your story is powerful. The way you met the Lord is powerful. How you've discovered him in times of trial, how the scriptures have ministered to you in points of sadness or discouragement or stress and strain, how God has met you is powerful for another person. You don't have to be a Billy Graham You just have to be the authentic you saying, hey, I just met this man at a well, and he changed my life, and I think he changed your life too. That's all that really needs to be said. So in this room tonight, I believe that there are two women that I'm supposed to pray for. Not, there's not just two of you, don't freak out. Like, it's not like God whispered your name to me today or something. Um, There's two types of women in here tonight that I just really feel like the Lord, he really wants to meet you. And the first group of women, you kind of identified, maybe you identified with my story, um, or this Samaritan woman. Like, you've been trying a lot of different things, and you, you know about Jesus. You know the Christmas story. You know that he died on a cross. You know, you've, you've heard some scriptures. Um, you know about him. You might even think really well of him, like cool guy, you know, great teacher, whatever. But you're not following him. (laughs) You've not said to him, if you will come and clean me up and meet me right where I am, 
I will follow you the rest of my days. And tonight is your Christmas story. Tonight, he'll come to the manger of your heart and he'll meet you and he'll give you new life, new life, a life that has a significance and a purpose to it that you can't imagine. I, 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 I really, I could never have written this script for my life. I didn't expect to be in ministry. I didn't expect to be a pastor. I, I, my, my, my plan was to be the mayor of my town. I couldn't do that now. <laughs> um, that, <laughs> no way. <laughs> Media got a hold of my college years. I'd be stunk. <laughs> I'd be sunk. Um, but that was my plan. But God had another plan. When he met me at that well that day, he had a plan that was already written. <laughs> and it was an incredible plan. All I had to do was yield to him on a regular basis, or just on a daily basis. Lord, here I am again. I'm yours. I'm yours. Today, order my steps, Lord, because I'm following you. Can't see you. Can't always feel you. But I'm hooking, I'm hooking myself to you. I'm holding on to the reins of your spirit and you can take me and guide me and lead me wherever you want to because wherever you are is a good place wherever you are there's living water wherever you are there's living water so with your eyes closed and heads bowed for just a minute I am asking of that that woman that's here tonight, women, that group of women that are here tonight, to be authentic for a few minutes and just be real and say, Lord, I want some of that water to drink. I need, the, I need some of that water to drink. And I believe that you are the one that can fill me with that water. And if that's you, I'm going to pray for you tonight. I'm going to pray for you. You're bold. You're bold to walk up here. You're bold. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not requiring you to walk up here, but what I would like for you to do is I'd like for you to raise your hand at your table and just acknowledge to the Lord, I need some of that water, Lord. I need to start drinking at your well. I, I need to start drinking at your well, not the well of the world, but your well. And I want to follow you. Ladies, I see those hands. And in the back, I see that. Just look at me. As you raise your hand, look at me so I can just make eye contact with you so you know that I've seen you. Anybody in the center? Bless you. Bless you. Anybody over this way? Ladies, I see you. I see you. I see you. Awesome. Awesome. I think it is so cool that you came up here. Can I have your hands for a minute? Because, you know, the Lord says that if you will acknowledge him in front of others, he's going to acknowledge you to the Father. And this is transparency. This is, this is being real. This is coming to a well, really real. And so um, 
I just want to, I want us all to pray this prayer together, but since she was courageous enough to walk up here, I just want to hold her hand while we pray this prayer. So everybody, let's pray this prayer together, everyone. Father God, I come to you tonight admitting I'm thirsty. The world does not satisfy me. The pursuits that I have been making, they don't satisfy me. There's a longing in my heart for something that is beyond this world. It's you. Jesus, I unzip my heart to you tonight. And I ask you to change me, to wash over me, to cleanse me of my past and set me in a new direction with you. Teach me how to follow you. Teach me how to hear your voice. Surround me with women who know you. And Lord, help me to make you known. I love you and I receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to be bold. And at your table, I want you to look at another woman and I want you to say, I'm one of those who raised my hand. Do that first step of acknowledgement. Do that first step of saying, I'm a follower of Christ tonight. All right, will you just do that? Just share that with somebody at your table real quick. And then there's the other group of women I'm going to pray for next. Now, the second group of women are the women who need to get up from your well. You've been sitting at the well or you've been coming to the well. You want, you've been looking for another experience, another feel-good worship set. You've been getting entertained by the church. But it's time for you to go out and go and tell. It's just time for you to start letting some people know that you are a follower of Christ and you're not ashamed of it and that you have answers. You have, you have prayers you want to pray with them. You have scriptures you want to share with them. You have life within you and you don't want it bottled up anymore. If you find yourself as one of those women and you're just like, but I'm a little bit scared, but I'm a little bit afraid of what people are going to say, but I'm a little bit, you know what? It doesn't matter. You need to be responsible to the king, not to the community. You need to be responsible for what he's done for you and you need to go and tell you need to make him known do it out of your own personality if you're a great cook cook meals and invite people over and tell them about Jesus. You like to sit on park benches and wait for people to walk up to you? That's fine too. You want to minister to moms in a play group? That's great. You, what, however you're going to do it, just do it. Just go and tell. There are women in this room, you have never shared your story with anybody. In 2019, you need to share your story with people. You need to break out of your comfort zone. You need to go beyond where you've been living. And you need to make Jesus known because I'm telling you something. The clock is ticking. There is going to come a day 
when the door to the ark is going to close and people are not going to be able to get on it. And we have this time right now to make him known. We have these days ahead of us to make him known. There is going to come a time when it's, God's going to say, no, next chapter is starting. And people aren't going to have an opportunity to embrace him and come to know him. I don't want to stand before the Lord and say, I was too afraid. No, get out there. Talk to people. Share it. I mean, don't be obnoxious. And be appropriate on Facebook and Twitter and all of that. But is there anybody in here that's like me? Like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to sit at the well all the time. I don't want to be looking for the next well. I'm, I want to leave my well and go into the world and make a difference like the Samaritan woman did. It said that the community came. The community came. God will anoint you if you make the effort. He will empower you if you make the effort. He will enable you, but you got to make the effort. So is there anybody in here that wants a prayer for effort? Just You just want a prayer for effort. Will you stand up if you want a prayer for effort? Just you want a prayer for effort. Help me, Lord. Help me to be that witness. It's called the Great Commission. <laughs> he wants you to go. He wants you to go. And if you don't have to go to Africa or Indonesia. You can go to Huntersville. You know, you can. There are a lot of dehydrated people in our community. Just serve them a drink of water. Let's lift our hands before the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we come before you tonight. And as sincerely and genuinely as we can say it, help us. <laughs> help us, Lord. Lord, my life, my, the details of my life, the busyness of my life, Lord, um, they prevent me from getting up from my well. Fear prevents me from getting up from my well. Insecurity prevents me from getting up from my well. I just want to stay in the safe coziness of just continuing to meet with you at the well. But Lord, that is not why you cleaned me up. Lord, that is not why you put a new song in my heart so that I could just continue to converse with you. You put this song in my heart for it to be sung, for it to be sung in our community, for it to be sung in the nations, for it to be sung for other people to hear. And Lord, you did that for these women too. Lord, you have, you've given them a story. You've given them a, um, a song. You've given them an answer to prayer. Lord, you've given them a scripture verse that's really meaningful to them. Lord, I pray that you would open up avenues. Lord, open up the doors. Let me see them clearly and give me the boldness to walk through them to your glory. Not to my glory, but to your glory, Lord God. I want to make you known. Say that to the Lord if you mean it. I want to make you known. I want to make you known. Lord, that is a prayer that you are going to answer. Let our love abound, Lord God. Let grace abound in our life, Lord God. Let joy abound in our life, Lord God. Let help us this Christmas season to explain to people why we're singing the songs that we're singing, Lord God. Help us. Help us to make you known. And we'll just give you all the praise. 
Lord, for every person who listens in response. And we thank you for this night. We thank you for coming as a baby. But we thank you, Lord, that you grew into a man and that one day you're coming back as the King of Kings and establishing a new kingdom on this earth. We just give you fresh thanks tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.